So do you remember when we did the first podcast? I do. It was, uh, I guess it was about two years ago, right? I mean, right. Yeah. Right. Right around this time, two yeah. years ago, a lot has changed in two years. And, yeah. uh, and I think I remember having a lot of conversations with other men and, uh, especially my sponsor saying like, how can I possibly put all this out there, especially like career wise, mm-hmm. you know, like as I've learned throughout this process in recovery is that me being vulnerable and me telling people that I'm alcoholic has never brought anything negative towards me. It's only opened doors for me, really? which is weird, which is another one yeah. of those things that you're like, how can that be? Um, I don't generally hold back. I'm pretty much an open book, so uh, I feel okay sharing this stuff. What was most scary to you about it the first time we did it two years ago? I think it was that piece that if I put all this out there that like I'm never going to get a job in aviation again. It'll ru- ruin my Spoiler career. alert. <laughs> Got a job in aviation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome to Stories of Recovery, a Mar Recovery Resources production from Mar Addiction Treatment Centers. I'm Matt Shedd. We are back with a new season after taking a little break. Thank you for your patience and continuing to listen to our back catalog of episodes. Thanks to you all, these stories of recovery have gone out to over 133 countries and have been listened to over 125,000 times. We put a lot of time and energy into each of these episodes, so we appreciate your patience. Nick is a pilot, through and through. When he talks about flying, you can feel how much he loves it. For a time, he lost all that because of his drinking. But now, like so many people in recovery, he's gotten back not only his career, but so much more as well. The first time I interviewed him was for episode 71 of our podcast, where you can hear a detailed story of his journey to Mar and what happened here. At the time of our interview back then, he had just started working full-time at Mar as our alumni coordinator, and was hoping that he would get his pilot's license back eventually. So, yeah, give us a little bit of context. Dick, two years ago, you were about a year sober? Uh, yes, just just over a year sober. Okay. And uh, thinking I had it all figured out. Right? No. <laughs> no, didn't and, have your didn't have your pilot's license. Back. Did not have a pilot's license. I was still working on that, and I uh, wasn't sure. You know, the DUIs and things were still going on. Uh, all those consequences I was talking about. The, you know, the process for for getting my pilot's license back. I didn't know if that would ever happen because they could have denied me. And, um, you know, I just moved out of the three-quarter program, which is called Phase 3. Um, I'd lived at Mar for over 11 months as a resident, and I moved into a house. We rented a house with uh, three other guys, so there was four of us, and it was one of the greatest things I've ever done, uh-huh. right? Because it's hard to slow down because we want to get back to normal life, but it, right. it, was, it was the right thing to do is to live and create a new little community of, of like-minded guys and mm-hmm. continue this process and slowing down and... Um, so I wasn't sure what the, what was in store for me, but, uh, but I took the job as the alumni coordinator and, and a lot has happened in the two years. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely a different man than I was two years ago sitting in this room and, uh, it's pretty incredible. So yeah, this is, this is one moment that jumped out to me. This is you two years ago, remembering what it was like in your alcoholism. Mm. Were there times that you were flying in terms of like the amount of alcohol in your body where you're like, ooh, I probably shouldn't have been flying? Oh, yeah, 100%. There were definitely times where I was flying an aircraft slightly intoxicated. 
and and I can own that. And it's tough to hear because that's something, again, that I told myself that I would never do. I would never get behind that yoke of that aircraft having been hung over or drunk or either. You know, the rule is eight hours bottle to throttle. Eight hours bottle to throttle. That's like the standard that's, that's industry what, rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the FAA says, eight hours bottle of throttle. And that's probably for a normal person who has a couple of drinks and then goes to bed for eight hours and then gets up and goes to the airport and, and touches that throttle eight hours later, right, and are totally fine. That That's not the guy who's drinking a liter and a half of vodka and then sort of sleeping and then getting getting in the on the flight deck uh, who's not okay. That was me, um, really pushing the boundaries. Uh, and like I said, that's something that I said that I would never do is be intoxicated or hungover and, and fly an aircraft, and I did many times. So what's your feeling now listening back to that guy two years ago talk mm. about that? Um, it kind of gives me some chills listening to that. Um, well, one of the things I thought about is, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm just reliving that because I haven't thought about those kind of, uh, times when I would fly hungover or drunk back in the day. And, uh, and I just think about now how I don't ever have to do that again. And it's just incredible. Um, it almost, uh, makes me want to uh, get a little emotional. It's just like, uh, this program has given me a life today that I can't believe and I get to I get to do what I love without fear of um doing anything like that again and it's awesome uh it's just truly incredible I wake up every day and I don't believe my life um because this place and this program gave me this life and uh and it's just cool that I don't have to um I don't ever have to drink again and uh and I don't have to experience any any fear like that or any pain like that or uh, hurt anybody or potentially hurt anybody again. Um, and I get to be present and I get to be my best self every day. Um, and I get to fly almost every day, which is just incredible. And somebody pays me for that. And they know that I'm an alcoholic, which is also an incredible thing. Because uh, in my interview, which is wild, I went in there and I was just like, I was sweating interviewing with these people. And I was just like, uh, by the way, I have these DUIs and I'm in the HIMS program, which is, you know, basically the drunk pilots program. And my, you know, my paperwork looks different than everybody else's. And, uh, you know, uh, I haven't flown in four years and uh, and I'm an alcoholic. And, and they were just looking at me like, well, you do the stuff you're supposed to do, right? And you're, I'm like, well, yeah. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I don't drink either. So we're going to get along great. And, uh, and it's just like, how does this happen? You know, here I am putting myself out there, just sweating and just thinking I'm about to be just pushed away. And he's like, oh, you're going to do great. We're going to do great together. Cause I don't, you know, and here we are. And, uh, and I don't have to do that anymore. Um, it's pretty, it's weird how, how, how things happen, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> oh man. Was there a moment, like, in the process of getting your pilot's license back? Like, was there some letter? Was there some meeting where you yeah. shook someone's hand? Like, what was the moment that it was like, 
where it dawned on you like, oh, this is really ha- I'm going to get to fly a plane again. Yeah, like, well, it was a letter. You know, I've been uh, going through this whole process with the FAA, and it's just uh, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of money, and it's a lot of appointments and a lot of testing and all these things you have to do all the time. Um, and I still do all these uh, psychiatrists and psychologist appointments and random drug screens every three weeks. And um, But I remember one day I walked out, in that in that little house that I rented with three other Mar guys, walked out to the mailbox and there was a letter in there from the FAA and it said, you know, here's here's your thing, here here's it back, and I just just sat there in the uh, in the driveway and it's just like, oh my god. I remember I took a picture of it and sent it to my dad and my mom and my brother and all these people and they're like, oh my god, I got it and uh, and I told some people here at work and I went into work the next day. And a bunch of my coworkers had a cake and a balloon and said, you know, congratulations, Pilot Nick. I still have those balloons hanging in my mm. office. I still have a little bit of helium <laughs> in them after about a year and a half. And, uh, oh, man. Uh, I mean, this, this program works miracles, and it's crazy. You know, people told me when I first got here, you know, if you could think of your life in two or three, five years, if you could think of your perfect life, and say it right now, you would sell yourself short. And I absolutely would have at that time. Even just two years ago when we were talking, if I had said, this is what I want to do with my life, this is what I want to be doing in two years, I would have sold myself short. What would you have said then that you want to be doing? I don't even know. Yeah. You know, because this program just changes your lives in so many different ways. Recovery yeah. is, in, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not about perfection because I screw things up all the time. But it's mm-hmm. about just doing the little daily stuff and doing the action and uh, and uh, just trying to be the man that I'm supposed to become. And this program gave me that. And, uh, I mean, I not only for the last year have I been working as Mars alumni coordinator still, is that now I get a, I'm a corporate pilot for a private individual and I get to fly planes every day. You know, I was in West Palm Beach two days ago and I was in Cancun a week ago. And it's just like – jet setting around with this guy and making a great living and getting to help others and it's just like you know yeah it's wild um and it's and not only the like the financial success because i did buy buy the house next door tomorrow which is funny you know there's that piece that i talk about uh you know, when I first got here, they told me to stay close to Mar and you'll stay sober. So I like to say, well, I work here and I live next door, you know. So, <laughs> um, so you can't get much closer to living three doors down. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's just, it, th- I, there's so many feelings. Yeah, man. Um, getting that pilot's license back was, was incredible. But then it was like, oh, then the hard work comes. I have my pilot's license back. How do I get a job? You know, here I'm talking about podcasts and things on <laughs> about drinking and flying, and um, you know my driving record is less than stellar. So, how am I possibly going to get a job? And I did. When you did the interview, you were you said you went in sweating. Oh yeah. So so what what happened? The guy said like come, like like someone told you about a job you yeah, called well, or... and let me back up a little bit from that because yeah. just me getting that interview was also another miracle and uh-huh. also another lesson in uh not being ashamed of the person you are and the person mm-hmm. is i'm nick redman or can i say should i say my first yeah my yeah name? yeah i'm nick <laughs> nick redman i'm an alcoholic you know i mean that's who i am to the uh-huh. core and that's not a bad thing and that's okay yeah. and it's um that is part of me i'm nick and i'm an alcoholic 
Um, so I was at that same gym where I found that sponsee and, uh, you know, mind you, there's no other, there's not a whole lot of alcoholics around here. This is a gym. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was talking to a girl after class two and she was like, wait, I don't get it. You were a pilot, but you're not this and that. I'm like, okay, here yeah. we go. Let me yeah, just yeah, break yeah. this down for you. And like, I'm an alcoholic and this and that. And she's like, oh, well that's, you know, and we were talking and she was like, that's just such a cool story. And you're doing the stuff now that you're supposed to do. And I'm just, it's impressive. And, um, and she's like, I know a guy. She's like, one of my best friends, um, her husband's looking for a pilot. And so I called him up, and we talked on the phone, and then I went in an interview. And, uh, yeah, like I said, went in there just thinking how there's no way they're going to hire me, you know, to fly this this big shot around all the time um, with my record. And uh, I went in there just sweating because I'm telling this guy that I'm an alcoholic and I've done all these things. And... Uh, and he was very uh, responsive to that. Cause, but that's not what we think. We think I'm mm -hmm. going to, like I talked about, is that that vulnerability piece is going to push people away, but actually draws them in. You know, and it's like, you know, he's thinking in his mind, oh, the skeletons are out of the closet. I don't have to worry about this guy. Yeah. You know, in my mind, he's like, we got to push this guy away. But that's not what happened is that he said, well, you do all your stuff, right? And I said, yeah, I'm great, you know, and I'm going to continue to do all this stuff every day. And he's like, oh, well, we're going to be, we're going to work great together. And uh, and I started, I think, two weeks later. Wow. Or a week later. I had to do a couple things because I hadn't flown in four years, so I had to do all this proficiency and, yeah. and kind of re-up all my licensure stuff and um, and get proficient in aircraft again. And uh, um, then we started flying, and it just was – it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's awesome. We fly this really cool plane called a Piaggio Avanti, uh -huh. which is very strange. People call it the catfish. Um, and it's just a weird turbine uh, uh, turboprop pusher. But it flies at jet speeds. We can go up to 41,000 feet and, you know, four or 500 knots, and it's just awesome. Oh, it's man. just such a cool plane, and, and I love flying it. Um, it's another one of those cool cool planes that I love. And um, So I interview with the other pilot who's technically my boss, but we fly this uh, businessman around. We're his two uh, – we, we just fly for him, and we fly him all over the country and on his family vacations. And um, it's just cool to be – to show up, mm -hmm. to be present, to to be somebody that both of them um, can count on, you know, and uh, and that these people and this guy that I fly with, he's a wonderful man and he's very generous and very good to me. That I he trusts me to fly him and his family around and get them to where they need to be safely, um, and I show up every time, you know, which is not something I could say before. Is he, is Nick going to show up? I don't mm -hmm. know. You got so you got the piece of paper. You got did the interview, but then there's another moment, right? I'm actually about to fly. I am. I'm here. I am flying a plane yeah. again. Like, can you describe that moment? Yeah, I think there was a a, a couple of them at the beginning. Yeah. Where it's just like I don't feel like I know what I'm doing again. There's that imposter syndrome coming out again. Yeah, like, I don't feel like a pilot. I haven't flown in four years. You know that muscle memory. Is it still there? Is it not? Do I know what I'm talking about? Have I studied enough? Oh my god, you know. Uh, oh man, yeah. Turns out I still remember. How to fly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get that back pretty quick. Um, um, I, but there was also just like that joy. I could just, oh my god, I was just you know sitting there just like ah, you know. Uh, it's just awesome, and that you know, so I had to do some of those proficiency flights to get up, and I was to get back to uh, to kind of flying status, and I remember just just shutting the door on those planes and just be like, oh my God, this is my life again. But it felt different, mm -hmm. you know? Um, 
because I remember when I first, I think I talked about it in the first podcast, when I first decided I want to be a pilot, I was like, eee, this, I might be too much of an alcoholic for this. This could go poorly, oh. which it did. <laughs> uh, but now I don't have to worry about that, you yeah. know? Because I do all the stuff, the daily things that I'm supposed to do to maintain my recovery. Um, so it did feel different. I'm like, I'm a, I got it this time. I mean, I don't got it. Yeah. I got it. You know, I have a daily reprieve, as they say. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, if I keep doing the daily stuff. Um, so it did feel different. But, you know, I was just the whole I still grin every day. I'm yeah. just like up there smiling, just having the best time. Um, and I get paid for it, which is wild. Yeah. You know, it's like I almost am like I would nearly do this for free. This is awesome. I get to do this. Um, so there's a lot of disbelief that I can go through all that stuff and there's still hope for me, you know? And I think that's what this place and this program do is give people hope. And I think it's important. I think it's cool to kind of not, not close this chapter because a new chapter is opening, yeah. you know, as I leave Mar. I'm not really leaving. I, I live next door. I'm going to volunteer. Right. I'm going to be helping out with alumni stuff. I'm going to be doing, but it's just, you know, it's just the seasons are changing. You know, mm -hmm. I get to do what I love every day. And it's because I'm flying so much, I can't do this anymore. And it's like, it's bittersweet. It's like, this is, you know, as you put it, my flight career is taking off. That's you know? <laughs> <laughs> cool. It's awesome. That's what I wanted. That's why I, one of the reasons I came here. Um, but also, you know, and I we recognize that I can't do this anymore. And so so somebody else gets to come in and they get to put their their new energy and their new spin on it. Um, maybe the energy that I had two years ago when I first came in here. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's just opening up new space for, for new people to bring their own their own uh, version of this in. Um, and it's it's just cool. Um, I just love this stuff. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just so gracious of you to share it with us. I, was, I did have a question. Yeah. Um, but I think what, what I want to do is I want to play a clip and then ask it. Um, okay. Another one. They, they talk about a oh, kind of a white light moment. And I had a moment, something like that. And that was um, in group. Um, there's this, there's this, we use several projects uh, in phase one and two. Um, one is the life story where you tell your life story. You write it down over several weeks and then you present it. And another uh, is called the 39s. And it's the first step inventory. And that's the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, which is admitting that you're powerless against alcohol and your life had become unmanageable. And we list 39 examples of that. And I, over almost two hours, read all 39 of mine aloud. And that's an event where I screwed things up and how I felt about it and those consequences from that event. And there were 39 of them. And, and that was tough to do, to sit there with 30 people looking at you and telling them all these terrible things that you've done, kind of some things that I never told anybody that I'd done. And I shared that with people. And, and, uh, and that's the thing about vulnerability, you know, is that you think that it's going to push everybody away, but it draws everybody even in closer. Mm. Any thoughts that come up listening back to that? Well, it just brings me back to the, especially that moment in that room over there. When, when uh, 
when, when I tore in treatment and when did I was the thirty nine yeah. phase one and did the uh, the first step inventory assignment. And it's weird. And I've talked to a lot of different alumni that that room over there is kind of sacred ground. You know, that's that's where it happened. That's you know, because because uh, that's where it broke down for me. Um, and we talk about um, there's a counselor here that talks about how Mar is the ambulance that got me to AA. You know. And it's like you come here and you're just you're just broken and you're just and you you got to further break it down. But then you know eventually you get to AA and or, and that's where you live your life because um, uh, you can't stay in treatment forever. You gotta you know spread your wings and fly, and we fly in in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but that moment is where it got me. That's where I found I was an alcoholic, and that's where I accepted it. Right? Because that's big. It's like. Okay, I can never drink again. And it kind of weirdly got easier from there. It's like, okay, like we can go from here. Um, but, oh, man, it just brings me back to that. And uh, that assignment is tough, even though I have, you know, 390 examples instead of 39. I have a lot of examples because <laughs> um, my struggle with alcohol was, you know, 20 years and was uh, was a lot, um, a, lot of, a lot of stuff. Anything you want to say kind of as a – as you transition out, you're not saying goodbye. No. You're transitioning. But as no. you're transitioning out of that role, like anything you want to say to kind of sum up your experience of, of getting it able to – you served. You served yeah. in that role. Like what would you want to say about those two years of service in, in that position? Well, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it it's just been an honor to serve here, right? Um, it's truly an honor. Um and to be able to connect with everybody around here and still be a part of this. And uh, now I get to be a volunteer and, and it's been amazing. It's been an absolutely amazing couple of years. I mean, everything from, from, I mean, just being the guy around here has been, it's been incredible. And all the people that I get to talk to and interact with and, and, you know, organizing the picnic and getting, you know, these camping retreats going and all these different events and the technology and the, the social and the, you know, just, just the day-to-day connecting with other people has taught me so much. And, and I hope that I've made a little bit of mark, uh, on this place and the community here. And now I get to do that in a totally different way that I'm super excited about. Um, a lot of people around me and my sponsor, especially you just have been like, I can't wait for this time that you, you're just going to shine in this new way. Somebody else gets to come in and, and, uh, and, and, and bring their new, their new energy into this and you get to just, you get be, you get to be a guy in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's really exciting. Um, I'm just re- really excited for the future. It's really, uh, it's really exciting time. Um, you know, I thought this time would be sadder than it is, mm. but it's not goodbye. Just like you said, it's, it's kind of a new beginning. It's a new chapter. This place is very special, but these people are truly my family. And, uh, Yeah. A lot of feelings. Absolutely, so. man. Well, yeah. you are very much, yes, you are part of the family. You're like, you've been there for Mars. So we, we just all appreciate that, man. And I want you to know that and hear that and know that you're like really deeply loved at this place. And we, you better not go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. I, I tell you what, I feel the love here every day. It's yeah. amazing. Thank you for saying that. It's been uh, truly an honor and a privilege to be here. I just... This is incredible. Yeah, man. I love it. All right, that's it for this episode. I'm Matt Shedd. Our executive producer is David Tate. Our theme song is performed by Jordan Detweiler. 
If you want to reach out to us about the podcast, you can email us at podcast at marinc.org. That's podcast at M-A-R-R-I-N-C dot O-R-G. Thank you for joining us, and we're already looking forward to next time. <laughs>